listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Welcome back to another edition of Faith Stories. I'm Anne-Marie Shambaugh, and today I am joined by Mark. He has been here at Faith Church for about 12 years. He and his wife, Alyssa, have two kids, Bethany and Jacob, and they are here on home assignment right now from Tanzania, where they've spent uh, the last several years, which you'll, you'll hear more about. Um, so thank you for being here today, Mark. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. So Mark, you were originally planning to be back in the U.S. at this time, but the timeline for returning didn't exactly go how you thought it might be. What led to you coming back a little earlier than expected? Yeah, well, actually, when we got your, your email asking if we would, you know, be involved in the, in the Faith Stories, we were in a taxi on the way to the airport. So we were planning to leave Tanzania the very end of June. Uh, our daughter Bethany was supposed to graduate June 18th, and so we were trying to wrap up life there before we came back. Uh, and then with, uh, you know, the, the U.S. government having a, a travel advisory and just the way that the world was changing in March, our uh, mission asked us to come home. So we had about 36 hours. We wrapped things up as best as we could. And so we've been back since the end of March. Wow, it's, it's crazy how this whole pandemic has affected everybody across the whole globe, whether you're here in Africa, it doesn't matter. Um, but we'll get back to you know that part of the story in a bit, but let's back up for a minute. Can you first tell us a little bit just about your background, how you came to Christ and first felt this call to go into overseas mission work? Mm -hmm. So uh, I came to Christ as a, a high school student, uh, grew up in California. Uh, when I was in uh, college, uh, spent a year uh, studying abroad in China. And it was during that time that really felt the idea of living overseas made sense. Um, Although as a believer, didn't, didn't spend a lot of time in church, didn't know what missions was. Uh, after I finished my undergraduate uh, degree, ended up returning to China for two years as an English teacher. And so kind of became a missionary, not really knowing what missions was. Uh, and then uh, while I was there, realized that, that serving overseas was something that just I was feeling called to. And so I uh, came back to, to the States, to uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, where I went to seminary, met my wife, and, and she also was interested in, uh, in, in missions, in training uh, leaders. Uh, so for me, actually, I did a, a short-term trip to Zambia, and while we were there, uh, we were at a Bible college and spoke to a guy, and uh, someone asked him, why are you here? And he said, I'm the only Christian in my tribe. And I'm here to learn how to plant a church so that I can go and plant a church for, for my people. And I thought, this is, this is something I could give my life to. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, what a need. So, okay, so then um, how did you end up in Tanzania of all places? So back in 2005, uh, we moved to Tanzania and the mission agency we were, we were with back then had several options for us, for places we could go. And we were excited about Tanzania um, because it was an opportunity to do a, a new work. Uh, there hadn't been something started there in terms of theological education. Uh, but also we were excited about moving to Dar es Salaam, moving to a city that, uh, that had a Christian minority. Uh, so being able to be openly Christian, you know, and be missionaries in a, a non-Christian city. And then we were there for a couple of years, came back to the States uh, for about four and a half, five years, and that's when we moved to Indiana. 
And then uh, when we returned to Africa, it was clear we wanted to go back to, to Dar es Salaam to continue ministry there. Okay, wow. Now, I've never been to Tanzania. I'm guessing most people watching or listening to this haven't either. Uh, can you just tell me a little bit about it? How is it different than life here? Sure. Well, Tanzania is in East Africa, so it's south of Kenya. Um, it's probably known for the Serengeti, Mount Kilimanjaro, Zanzibar, uh, um, Swahili, Jambo, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, people don't know much about Tanzania. Um, uh, it's the, a country about the same population as California. Um, the city of Dar es Salaam where we lived uh, uh, had a, has a Christian minority, uh, even though the country has a slight Christian majority. And there's about six million people. We lived uh, about 10, 12 miles kind of outside of the, the heart of downtown. So it's kind of like the suburbs. And, you know, people asked, you know, well, do you, do you see, see wild animals in your neighborhood? We, we often had monkeys in our yard, but for the most part, we would just see, you know, cows and goats and sheep in our neighborhoods. But uh, yeah, so we, we lived in a, a normal house with electricity and running water. Our kids went to a great international school. So the idea of, you know, I'm sure there, there are missionaries living out in the bush, but that, that, that's not us. Yes, less exotic animal sightings, yes. it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the religious atmosphere? Were you able to be open about your faith? What was that like? Yeah, so uh, because the, the country has uh, just a very similar population in, in terms of, of Christian and Muslim, uh, there is also a sizable Hindu population there. Uh, really, it's, it's open. Uh, you can openly be who you are, talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, one of the uh, interesting things about Tanzania is probably the, the, the safest country in all of Africa, and uh, there's very little conflict between Christian and Muslim. It's there, but it, it's, it's not uh, that much. And one of the big reasons why it's not that much is there's, there's not a lot of depth of faith, uh, either for Christians or for Muslims. So, mm -hmm. so faith for most people in the country, uh, for the majority, it just seems to be cultural and, and it's, it's, it's from your, your family background, but it doesn't necessarily impact how you live day to day. Mm. So for us as missionaries, being able to, to share Christ, to, to preach the gospel, to openly train pastors, there's no problems. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so what, what did life look for you there? What was your, um, your goal with your mission work? So uh, Alyssa and I are both teachers. Uh, we both went to, to seminary and love teaching the Bible, um, theology, ministry. And so uh, there's a, a huge need in Tanzania for uh, theological education. So very few pastors have received uh, training, training in, in how to correctly uh, understand, interpret, and teach the Bible, how to, uh, how to lead a church and uh, just theology, the, the prosperity gospel is huge in Tanzania. So this message that, that God exists to bless you, um, just a, a really um, human focused faith for most uh, believers. And that's, that's really in the, uh, in the church, just that people, you're going to church so that you can get blessed and you can get something from God. So. So helping the leaders of the church in Tanzania to see what the Bible really says. And the Bible talks about suffering. The Bible talks about uh, that our goal should be to bring God glory and not to kind of seek what, what we can get. So we started a Bible school. We started with a one-year certificate in pastoral ministry. So um, 
our mission, uh, Reach Global, part of the Evangelical Free Church, uh, we don't have churches in Tanzania, so we weren't training pastors so that we could plant churches with them. So we were taking men and women already in ministry and trying to equip them so that they can uh, serve better. So we offered a one-year program where they would come uh, five times uh, f during the year, five different times, two weeks each time. So they would take 10 courses, one course each week, and then uh, go back into their churches and ministries and do assignments kind of, you know, between, between the terms. So, uh, so we started that in our living room. We had a, um, the first house we were in a really big living room so we put up a big whiteboard and 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 you know classroom tables and and we started uh, ministry right there and we we started with eight students and uh, our first day i i don't remember this but uh, one of our students rebecca she said that uh, she heard that there were some white people who were doing a, a Bible school, and, and she is very interested in gaining more knowledge. So she said, I'm going to go and see if I think I can, if I can learn stuff there. And apparently, the first thing that I said on that first day of that first class was, if you're here for knowledge, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> oh my. And so immediately she thought, what am I, what am I doing here? But I can't, I can't stand up and, and, you know, walk out now. That would be pretty rude. So I'll just stay until tea and then go. And so then I, I followed that up, but if you're here so that your life would change, so that you would understand God's word more, that you would fall more deeply in love with God and be able to communicate him um, to the world, then you are in the right place. So I said that, I thought that was awesome, and still she thought this is, this is the wrong place, but I'll give him till tea. So it got to tea time, and, and Rebecca thought, well, okay, it's not too bad. I guess I'll stay till lunch, but after lunch, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, and then she stuck around till lunch. She said, okay, uh, I'll just finish the day. And she finished the day. She came back the next day. And a year later, she was one of the first two students to have finished all of her assignments and, and be able to, to receive her certificate. Wow, what a cool story. It is, and it's pretty significant. When she came, uh, she was actually involved with, with two different churches. She was involved with one, a, a solid church uh, in the city. She was also involved in a cult, and we didn't, we didn't realize that. We had heard some things about the church, but as we talked more and more, we, we realized that this was, this was not a place where, where the gospel was being preached. And just because we're videoing this, I, I don't really want to talk more, but some of the stories are pretty amazing. I, if you know me, you can come and ask me, and I'll tell you more later. But it was, uh, it, was, it was amazing. So as she is going through this class, she's realizing that the stuff that this church is teaching doesn't match the Bible at all. Mm -hmm. And so very few people were able to get out of that, of that cult. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she did, and she's been serving faithfully back at the other church now, uh, serving in ministry there for, for years. Yeah, that must have been encouraging to get off to such a, you know, a good start with a story like that. And, and I'm sure you, you probably have other stories of people who came through the program and, and had interesting, you know, circumstances of their own. Yeah, I can think of uh, another guy, uh, Kisia. So he joined us uh, years, several years later. So we, we left that first house. Uh, I know at the, the church we've shared before about just having snakes, lots of snakes <laughs> in our house. That's a, that's a story that I can't really go into now. But we ended up moving into a house that was uh, 
uh, an eight-bedroom house, so we were able to live upstairs, and we had the, the school downstairs. Uh, and no snakes, right? No, well, <laughs> outside. No snakes we, inside. We never had any in the house. Um, and so one of the things we were able to do is uh, have uh, dormitories. So we had three dormitory rooms, classroom, office, you know, kitchen, library, all of that uh, downstairs. So because we had a better space, we were able to add a second year to our program. Uh, in, um, uh, so instead of just offering a certificate, we now could offer a diploma in pastoral ministry and add an, you know, an additional 10 courses. And one of our first diploma graduates was Kisia. He, he had been a missionary, one of the very few Africans that, uh, um, that have gone to other countries uh, as missionaries. So he was serving in Sudan, uh, was serving in ministry there actually when South Sudan was formed as a nation and very tough ministry, had uh, um, his life threatened multiple times just mm -hmm. uh, being there and, and uh, reaching out to the, the non-Christian community there. And so uh, he came back to, to Tanzania and uh, joined a ministry where he was going into public high schools and teaching a biblical uh, view of sex and sexuality and using that to, to basically preach the gospel. So even schools that weren't Christians knew that, that, that the sex lives of high schoolers was so messed up that this ministry was getting invited in to, to teach. So, so he came, he'd been in ministry for, for years, and probably the class that impacted him the most was the trauma counseling class. So mm -hmm. uh, my wife Alyssa had gone through some great training in, uh, um, in trauma counseling. And so we actually did that class as a, an, something that, this is something that you can help your people with, but really knowing that our students needed it and, and this was a guy who needed it. And it really uh, impacted his life. And so um, maybe a year later, Alyssa was uh, invited to go and do some training in Northern Uganda um, and do some, some trauma training uh, with uh, Su Sudanese and South Sudanese refugees there. Something happened with her schedule, she couldn't go, so we actually sent Kisia, and he went and did a great job. And so he's continuing to do that. Uh, he now is serving in Tanzania, serving in, in ministry that's, that I don't know who else is doing this in Tanzania, but, but increasing the church's involvement in missions, especially raising the awareness for young people to uh, young Africans to be involved in missions. For, for generations, the church has been a missions-receiving uh, church. And it's still small, but some are starting to see that the, that the church can and needs to, to be involved. And so I was communicating with Kisia last uh, week and just say, what are some ways that the school has helped you? And, and he said that um, even though he'd been a missionary and he was involved, he said that, that being at our school really helped him to present the gospel uh, more clearly. He just, he understood the theology that kind of, you know, that goes behind the gospel. Um, learning how to be a cross-cultural gospel communicator, learning about worldview, learning different uh, world religions and, and understanding that presenting the gospel is different depending on where people are from. Um, giving him practice, practical skills, and he said specifically the trauma counseling. And so he's continued to go back in and, uh, to the refugee camps. And uh, obviously there's a huge need for trauma healing there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally he said, and then I, I take your materials and I use them to train others, especially, uh, especially college students and, and pastors. So 
uh, it's exciting for us to see uh, this, you know, uh, our students going out and using that in, in ministry. And a- another story, I just want to share one more story. We, uh, our friends Adam and, and Mercy, and they were actually, I said there's not a lot of African missionaries, and it's true, but I'm going to share some more. They uh, are Kenyan. And they were sent by their denomination to come down and lead a church in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, where we were. And, and so they had um, been pastoring and, and leading a church for a while, but, but hadn't received much theological education. So they heard about our school. They, they came, and, and we, we love these guys. They, they, they dig into the scriptures when they see something and it doesn't match their life and their thought. They really wrestle with it. And, and really, for, for Mercy, it was it was transformative. She realized that she wasn't a believer. So this church was, was not preaching the gospel. This, this church was saying that basically how you live your life, whether or not you sin, that de- your salvation is dependent on that. So the way you become a Christian actually is you would have to get out some paper, I don't know how many sheets of paper, and write down every single sin that you've ever committed. And then you would have to go and commit er, or confess every single sin to the pastor. And then you might be invited to, to be born again wow. and, and, and join the church. And then at any time, if, if you sin, you, you're out. You, you've lost your salvation. So they would have to redefine what sin is so that the things that are going on in the heart really became irrelevant um, because if they dealt with what the Bible talks about sin, then they would, they would never uh, have the idea that maybe they were saved. And so mm-hmm. uh, in the class, Mercy realized that, that the Bible teaches something completely different, that our salvation is dependent on Christ and what he did, not on, on what we do. And so we, we've just uh, loved seeing them. And, and, but it was really difficult, actually, because as they were in our program and, and they both finished their, their diploma, well, actually one of them still has a couple assignments to go, mm-hmm. if you're listening. So um, they realized now that what they believed didn't match what their denomination was teaching. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a, a, you know, some personal conviction, that stuff that they had to deal with. Their salaries as missionaries were being paid by this denomination. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and, and the denomination was also struggling because they started to share some things, this, this couple, that, that were different from the denomination. They actually brought them back to, uh, to Kenya. I think it was, and, and they think it was, t- so they could keep an eye on them. And, and they said, we're going to go back. We're going to continue to serve and know that the things that we're going to be teaching now are going to be really different from what the denomination teaches. But we're going to stay and serve as long as we can until they, <laughs> they kick us out. And then they were surprised. Actually, the, the, the church started to say, you know what? We're hearing some different things from you, and we'd like to hear more. So they've actually been asked to, to teach the denomination the things that they've been learning. And so now they're back in, in, uh, in Kenya. They're, they're pastoring. Uh, he's pastoring a local church. They're, they're serving in leadership with the denomination. They're training uh, with the denomination. And uh, also, they're at... Um, the Nairobi Evangelical Graduate School of Theology that I know Faith has a strong relationship with, that they're actually studying there, getting, getting more training. And, and this is a, a couple that we can see 
um, having a long-term relationship with. They did some training for us with at our school in Dar es Salaam. We did some training with alongside them with another ministry in Kenya. And so I think long-term this would be a, a couple that will continue to, to to train church leaders with. Yeah, I mean, they have just an amazing story to come in as missionaries and then have this transformation is just amazing. And, and I would think it's gotta be so encouraging for you to continue to stay in touch with these former students, um, even now that you're back and, and the school is not open anymore, but seeing how the impact is still going on and growing, that's just an amazing thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about what happened with the school and um, what led to it closing? Sure, long term, our desire was to, to start a school, have these, these training materials that people can, can pick up and easily use, and, and that we would, we would train a number of people and, and identify some key people who, who wanted pastoral training to be a, a key part of their ministry. So the goal was to, to build a school and basically hand it off, and we knew that this was years in the making to, to, to have that. Last year, it really became uh, evident that that our time was was going to come to an end, um, just due to various situations. Uh, a number of missionaries were 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 not being renewed for their work permits, and so it it did happen to us. We got rejected for our work permit, so so we knew that we were going to have to close the school. And although we worked with a number of of students that we thought, oh, this person really could could lead a school, we realized that we're not at the place where we can hand a school over to somebody. So we knew that we would be shutting the school down. We knew that Bethany was graduating in June and uh, our work permits actually were uh, already expired. So we were just trying to kind of wrap up our, our lives there and, and then continue to, to work with uh, students who wanted to train others and providing the materials. Even just the last week, I had two different students contact me and say, hey, can you send me the notes from this class because I'm going to do a training. So um, we knew we would continue some things. We were hoping to have an, another graduation and wrap things up. But then obviously with uh, coronavirus, we had to, to just shut things down and, and leave. Yeah, that must have been so hard to leave so quickly after you know many years of building this. Um, how are you guys doing? It's been hard. Yeah. It's, been, it's been really hard. Um, Obviously, just with communication today, it's, we're easily able to stay communicated to peop with people. So we're, we're still working with our, our students and trying to help them get across the finish line so they can finish their assignments to get their certificate and diploma. And uh, we're still, uh, you know, we've got the materials. We're going to help them as they uh, train others. So even though we don't think we're moving, we're not moving back to Tanzania at this point. We, we do see a continued ministry in terms of of working with leaders who are, are training others. So it's been difficult to see the, the, the school close, but we don't feel we're done. There's, there's still a lot of, of work and a lot of need in East Africa. Okay, yeah. And you know, when you've been back in the States, Indianapolis has become your home base and Faith has become your home church. Can you talk about how you got connected with Faith and have plugged in here? Sure, we, years ago, we, um, when we first came, to Indianapolis to work with a, a different ministry. The, the ministry really wanted a, a, a connection with Grace. So, uh, so we went to Grace and, and were there for a while and it just, there's some good things at Grace, but it wasn't a great fit for us. And, mm -hmm. and it was actually a pastor at Grace. We were talking, he said, you know, I really think you need to check out Faith. I think Faith would, 
would connect with you. And we came and instantly we realized that, that this, was, this was where we needed to be and, and got connected very quickly, started leading a home group in just a couple months. And, and uh, so we were at the church for about, about two years before we, we returned to, to Tanzania and again being sent out by faith. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you found the church. <laughs> Us too, thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, and so now I know you're, you're in a little bit of a, a waiting period to kind of see what's next. What do you think is on the horizon for your family? So our, our, our daughter, as we, we mentioned, uh, uh, graduated. So she finished uh, high school. She was able to uh, finish that while we were here. And she'll be starting at, at uh, Taylor in, uh, um, in just a few weeks. And so we don't, have, we don't have young kids anymore. So it, it really opens up the opportunity to, you know, uh, to, to go somewhere. And we don't have to, to think about that, most likely. Uh, we'll end up back in East Africa, maybe maybe Kenya, maybe joining an, a, an existing school. Definitely um, who we are, uh, we're teachers. Um, my wife Alyssa is a, a, a tremendous teacher and uh, she's also a, a counselor. We've done a lot of counseling, um, she especially, and, and training counselors. So uh, we feel that there's still a, a big need uh, for for leadership training, training pastors, training church leaders, uh, helping churches to to be able to counsel their people biblically. And one of the tough things about leaving when we did was uh, we had just uh, we Alyssa <laughs> had just started the process of working with key leaders with our church in Tanzania to to start a, a lay counseling ministry uh, in in the church. So the God is good and. He's got stuff for us. We just don't know <laughs> what that's going to look like. But we were planning on being here on home assignment anyways. We, we, th- we thought when we were moving back, we wouldn't be, you know, we weren't planning to move back to Tanzania anyways and, you know, not returning to Africa until 2021. So uh, we're headed there, we think, Lord willing. We don't know exactly when or what that looks like. But again, God just put on our hearts the... Um, the church, the church around the world, and being involved in in equipping the church to to reach the world, and he's given us us a love for East Africa. So we hope to be able to to be back there sure. next year. Sure. Yeah. Now during this time of change and waiting and just uncertainty, which we're all feeling to some extent this year, has there been any scripture uh, references or verses that have helped you through it? Hmm. Yeah. Earlier this this year, something came up and kind of uh, um, was in a very short notice needed to preach a sermon and it was a difficult time and, and somehow, I don't, I don't remember how I even got there, but, but got connected, reconnected and, uh, uh, with Psalm 71. And, and so I've just, I've really, really been encouraged by, by Psalm 71. And, and if you're not familiar with Psalm 71, you got to read it. It's awesome, especially if you're feeling discouraged. Um, someone in, in deep distress. Uh, and so uh, as you read Psalm 71 and verse 1, In you, Lord, I've taken refu- refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. And down in verse 3, be my rock of refuge. Just love this picture of God is safe. And when the world around us is is difficult when we're struggling, just knowing that, that God is safe. And that's been, that's been huge. And, um, 
even for, for us as we, you know, we get, we're getting older. You know, I'm in my 50s now and, and we're trying to, to, to build this ministry and do this thing and then, and then the, the world changed and, and we had to stop and, and leave that. And I just, I love verse 18. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I just, I, I know that God still got good stuff for us. And then right in the middle of the psalm and in Hebrew poetry, often the, uh, the climax or, you know, that, the, that, that, mm, that, that punching, you know, thing right there is, um, it's right in the middle. Verse 14, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. And I just love that, that in this time of so much uncertainty and uh, leaving our relationships, leaving our ministry, leaving our dogs, leaving and, and, and not really being able to say goodbye very well because we're actually we were in quarantine because Alyssa and Jacob had just flown in from, uh, from the state. So in the midst of all this, in the midst of, of uncertainty, in the midst of this, this changing world, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. So just the idea that we can always have hope no matter what's going on because, um, because God is our refuge. That is such a good reminder for 2020. You, you know, you think, th- you think things can't get any more different and they do, but to know that we have that hope is just such a hope and such a comfort. So, you know, um, my last question for you, how can we be praying for your family? Yeah, I pray for our, our, our kids with, you know, with school and work and just all of those things. And, and again, for kids who grow up on the mission field, grow up in a, in a different culture, life is, um, life can be, can be harder in the in in the states. So just you know, if you think of our kids, pray for Jacob and Bethany, and then for for Alyssa and I. And um, there's no great rush because things aren't really moving around the world, and you know, schools are are, are kind of shut down or just doing online stuff. There's not a great rush for us to get back, but just you can be praying that we uh, that God opens the the right door and and that we're able to uh, to do that. We know something's coming. We don't know what that is. So you just just pray for our next steps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today. Um, we'll be praying for you that God will, will reveal to you what's next for you guys. So thank you. I hope you'll join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Faith Stories, where we will be speaking with Joe and Kim Clough.